have to be your biggest fan. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to. Y'all let me know if my sound sound good. Am I still getting an echo back or anything? Somebody hit me in the comments. Um, where was I? Oh, community. Sharing your money. So whether that be to total strangers or homeless folk or um, anybody that you find in need, there might even be some other ways where you could do it in a way that that fits well with within your within your budget or your plan right so what i basically mean by that is there are charities and i know there's a whole mess of ins and outs as it relates to how much of your donated money uh goes toward the thing that you're donating it to but it's not that hard to do research they're independent uh there are people who write articles there's independent surveys who who would tell you exactly say for instance like the salvation army when you donate a dollar, here's how much, or when you donate a hundred dollars, here's how much of that goes towards this, you know, keeping them afloat as a business, uh, to sustaining things, administration, and then here's how much goes to the people that they're donating to. Uh, just a quick Google search should be able to point you in the direction of the, the charity that applies the majority of your giving to the cause that you're giving it to. There's uh, tons of causes for, say, like cancer. There's a bunch of different ways that you can do this. And I can't say that in my personal life, I know anybody who absolutely does nothing but earn their money and keep it. I think for the most part, most people who are good in a way, and this isn't a, bar a barometer of good or bad. What I mean is most people who are, are people who live in society understand that if they're blessed, that they should share that in some way, shape or form. Um, rather that is direct monetary, you know, passing money to pet handlers donating to a specific cause. I know there's a lot of people who have questions about GoFundMes and the legitimacy of, of each one of those funds that people are trying to obtain. Uh, we've heard the stories of the false ones, but I'm sure there's a lot of good ones uh, that actually are applied to the thing that they say that they're applying it to. Uh, I think the easiest way for me to divorce myself from the idea that I'm just like pouring into to like a money pit or, or some cause that I don't believe in was a sermon um, one of my pastors gave, one of my pastors, my pastor, Pastor Lane, uh, rest in peace, gave way back when I was teenager, like 15, 16 years old, and it stuck with me. It still sticks with me to this day. Um, he talked about, and there's some Bible scholars like my man Brian in here who could probably, and Dave, who could point us to uh, the exact verses, but the, the gist of the sermon was, uh, it's not your job to judge what it's for or to gauge what it's for. It's it's basically if you have it, you've been put in position to aid someone, you you give it to them and then let God judge them on the back end, determining what they do with it. If they lie. They say, say they need. You know what? I seen this lady. I was leaving the gym like two, three weeks ago. This lady was out there looking dejected and she's out there with some kids and she was like, hey, um, can you help me with some money for, for my kids? Uh, I want to buy some food for my kids. And she pointed to the Burger King over there. And I was like, yeah, I don't have any cash like I normally don't, but I could go buy you the food. And she said, no. She's like, if you can give me the money, that could help out a lot, blah, 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 blah. So me being me and growing up where I grew up, I I see the okie doke. 
I see what's happening. I see the kids. Don't get it twisted. I wasn't gauging if the kids was hungry or not. Honestly, I just saw them. They were over there. For all I know, they had just ate, and she was trying to acquire money. I have no idea what was happening here. But in that quick second, I I had to check myself. And basically, just I offered her again. Like She, she kind of walked off, and I'm sure she was just waiting on the next person to come out. But I kind of said, you know what? Ma'am, if your kids need this food, I will go over there with my debit card. I will buy you food, and I will get it get it for you and your kids. And I did. And for all I know, they had extra food they didn't need, and she was probably tight because she wanted that money for something else. But none of that's my business. None of it's on my heart or my soul or anything to do with me as it relates to what she did after that. If I had cash, I probably would have gave it to her. But these days, who's running around with cash? In any case, community, what you do for your community can come back to you also in positive ways. In a lot of ways, community money, we pay taxes. When you pay your taxes, the idea behind taxes is that you take a certain amount of your earnings and you put it aside, similar to tithing, and it's put towards things to keep things looking and moving smoothly, such as the roadways, bridges, power lines, etc. That's community money, and that's one you don't really have a choice in. The government say you pay it, you pay it or you don't. And if you pay it, you're fine. If you don't, I'm, I'm sure they, they – I don't even want to find out what happened on the other side of that. But I know it, it comes with penalties and fines and potential jail time, and I ain't trying to deal with none of that. But even more so than just the taxes I pay, even more so than just the tithes I pay, even more so than the little times I give to folks here and there, there are other ways that you can give back. There are – there are youth football teams. There are boys and girls clubs and other charities, uh, group homes, and just tons of things that you can apply some of what you earn, some of what you're blessed to continue to have to others in the community to help them out. If you don't want to give it to a panhandler, don't. But find a cause or a person or a place. There's scholarship funds. There's a ton, tons of things out there. People need the people who are blessed enough to have money to pour into their food banks. There are a litany of things that are just popping into my head as I'm talking as it relates to community. But if you have the mindset that your money is your own and don't get me twisted, it is, but I would, as your friend, I would recommend that you explore other avenues. Cause there's a level. If you, if you did your budget in the accountability section, there is a level of we're good. Like my family's straight. We got savings, we got rainy day funds, college funds. There's, there's ways where you could be set up and you're all good. And then there's that additional money uh, that you have that you could put towards something to help somebody out other than yourself. Because the truth is, one day it could be you. You could be down bad and out here hoping somebody toss you some pennies uh, to help feed your kid out front of the Burger King. And they need and they maybe maybe you don't sound believable. Maybe you got some weight on you and people like you eat. You don't need food for money or money for food. And I'm not going to give it to you. And now me and my kids go hungry because we're we're in a bad situation. But you get the point. Uh, When you ask yourself, is my money just for me or my family? Just understand that if you are in a position where you need to make sure you're good, your bills are paid, your savings are stacked. Do that. But when you do make it to that point, once you hit that goal of we're safe, everything's gravy, what could I do to help others who might be in a similar situation?
you know, <laughs> the interesting thing about giving is the way. So I, I read an article. Actually, I think I have it here. So the way we are raised as it relates to money and even some of these questions about panhandling and tithing and, and, and charity and all these other things, it's all taught to us by our parents. And in this article, I believe it's by Elizabeth Gravier, it was on CSCSNBC, um, the number one money behavior learn, kids learn from their behavior so she spoke with a CPA, a, a dude, uh, dude named Matt Gartner, nobody famous or anything like that, but he's a financial literacy advocate for young children, as you can read here. And basically what kids are teaching their money without even knowing sometimes can play a part in the way that we become adults under, under um, coming from up under our parents. And then when we have kids ourselves, we might be passing some of those things on too. Uh, his perspective on, on money was he goes out to schools, I guess he gives these talks, and he gives them a $100 bill challenge. Now, this ain't any different than what I've, even me and some of my friends play. If you hit the lotto, what would you do with the money? Uh, if you had all the money to start a business, what would you do with it? Those kinds of things. But asking kids what they would do with $100, and he would show them the $100 bill, he would ask them what they would do, and 9 out of 10 kids would respond would say they would buy something. And that basically is showing him that kids are programmed to consume at an early age. Now, I know we're all consumers and we live in this capitalistic society where we have to spend money for businesses to make money, to hire people, to keep this whole economy thing going. But consumer culture is getting crazy in the way and the means that we can buy things. And at Amazon, you could just right now while I'm talking to y'all, I could have one of my other two screens over here and just buy stuff. I could just think of something and I can buy it. I could whatever it, whatever it is and the ability to do that is fine if it's in control but as it relates to your money it could be a real big money pit for you to just consume things without conscious thought of it without some of those other tactics like having an accountability system when you teach these things to your kids then they grow up under those same means now one of the things we did uh, for my kid as he was growing up was we set up an account and we gave him a uh, controlled debit card or secured debit card that he could take that money. And a few of my other friends do this with their kids too. Uh, older kids, we're talking 12, 13, 14 and up where you can take that money, spend it on certain things. We could teach them about saving, teach them about paying tithes, teach them about potential charity or, and I, I smile at that because that's a little bit tougher of a lesson to teach. But you can do it. It, it is, there's a lot of information out, out there about how to do that successfully. But being able to teach my son the value of a dollar and when he spends all of it, how he has none and not to ask me for none for any was an interesting little game that we got to play, especially as me and my son's mom are co-parenting. It was always a conversation of, you know, how much is in there? What could he potentially buy? Kind of monitoring what he was using it on, whether it was just straight candy and snacks and and stuff like that, or was he buying, I'm, I'm thinking ringtones or whatever was digitally available at that time. I've seen him buy video games. I've seen him buy a bunch of different stuff, but I also noticed as he got into the routine of, okay, I only have this much. If I spend that, then I don't have this, and maybe I want something at a later date. 
he would buy um what was the stupid thing he was buying it was like these little it was something similar to pokemon cards for us when we were kids but it was like these little things that they were playing with i think it was uh Yu-Gi-Oh something or not i don't i don't remember exactly what it was but he started to be actually you could watch him become a little bit smarter a little bit more tactical about how he spent his money and even looking forward to some things like birthdays or some day where he's like, okay, I'm gonna get a little bit more and then I can do whatever else it is. It was just interesting to watch. It really went well up until 16 ish, 17 ish when I started noticing he was withdrawing the money and I had no idea what he was doing with it. And me and his mom had a talk and we just had to put a wrap on that because we didn't want to give him an avenue to nonsense. But the point of it being, I think to this day, as he's working and earning his money on his own now at 18, you can still see some of those elements. I've even heard him communicating like verbally to his friends about, nah, we shouldn't do that. We should save this or yada, yada, yada. It's really, really interesting. And I say weird because you raise this like little thing into a bigger thing and then you watch him kind of become you literally and hear things that you've said to him parroted back. but as it relates to money, it's it's a good feeling when it's going well, but also you see some of your bad tendencies. Like, I'm sure he's a spender, like I'm a spender. Uh, and I, you know what? I don't know what his mom qualified as. I would say she's a saver. A saver. So he probably got a little bit of both, hopefully more of that side than, than me. But the goal is uh, for you to teach your kids good habits. Now, Gartner went on to say there are – there's a way parents can play a role in, in an active role in teaching their kids certain things. And I'll just run through them really quick. These are four really basic things, but teach them how to spend cautiously, save diligently, invest wisely, and give generously. I don't have to go into detail of what each of those means, but this man's smarter than me. This is what he do for a living. And I would suggest if you aren't to do this, because in that article, it referenced kids as young as nine are picking up the habits taught to them by their parents. So if you got kids in that age range, uh, you might want to consider, you might, (laughs) uh, what Steve asked what I was spending money on a bunch of different stuff, but you might want to consider teaching some of these things to your younger kids or even your, whatever age your kids are, if they're above nine, you might want to just start having these conversations. And if you know, you got some weak points in your spending habits, to point those out and to teach it out of them so they don't repeat the mistakes that that you set up for yourself. (laughs) I don't like that Steve slid up in here asking weird questions because he got enough history on me to know exactly the answer to his own question. But that's the old me. We're not talking about that, Steve. We talk about today. What you spending money on today? Now, (laughs) as far as, I wanna, let me see if I can get one of these videos. In your family tree. Some for you in this inheritance, and a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs. And so we're going to do that, but you don't get that if it's going to harm you. And it would harm you if you don't have the skeletal structure, the muscle tenue in this area to carry it. And so when you leave kids that were, quote, in the old days we used to say so and so was a spoiled kid. If you have a spoiled kid, and you leave them a bunch of money, well, they're a reality show star later. That's what they, that's their only skill. 
and so they can't do anything. And it's sad. They're sad humans, and they, they struggle. And, and then they fall all, down all over the place, and everybody's watching them do it. And, and they do it with big numbers around them. It's awful. And, and so instead, what we want is we want, uh, you know, this is a family that, that is a family of service, and this money is a responsibility. And if you view it that way, you will have the opportunity to manage it. Tribal Chief says he'd like to donate to the same. <laughs> Man, get out of here with your nonsense, bro. All right, so this video, I wanted to talk about your relationship with money, and I'm going to let Dave Ramsey give, it, give his uh, explanation on how that works for him. Hey, y'all let me know if y'all can hear this video. Dave, you know, you've talked about this a lot uh, through your book, through your work, through a number of your books about how we don't really get educated on these ideas in school. And you must find it shocking that across 30 years that hasn't massively changed. Uh, what is it that you think we're missing out on at school? What are the key principles, as you were mentioning, that you need to learn at school or that you need to learn to start so that you can have a healthy relationship with your finances and money? Well, there's a level of mythology that has been spread about money in our culture that uh, was spread with an agenda, frankly. It was all, uh, if I was a bank, I would teach everyone that they needed a credit score. And the reason I would teach them they need a credit score and the way to get a credit score is to borrow money from me so, and pay it back to me so that you can raise your score so you can borrow money from me so you can pay it back to me so you can raise your score so you can borrow money from me so you can pay it back to me so you can raise your score. It's a great plan if you're a bank. And uh, so, but then the, it, it was put out there that now the FICO score is uh, like biblical truth or something. And it's not. It was a, it's a banking program to get people to borrow money. But now, and so what's happened with some financial literacy programs in schools is they're, they're going to teach you to build your FICO score because that's been accepted now as norm rather than as, rather than actual, well, it's accepted as fact, even though it's not a fact. And so what we've done is what we have I mean, our antidote would be to say, okay, we're going to teach people to live on a budget and how to do a budget. We're going to teach them to live on less than they make, a concept Congress can't grasp. We're going to teach them to, uh, uh, to be generous, outlandishly generous. Um, and we're going to teach them to save and invest in the power of compound interest. And these things are agnostic to the banking community. Uh, and so we don't... That was Dave Ramsey talking about your relationships with money and some of the early things that we're taught. Um, if you don't know who he is, go do your research. He's He does a whole show surrounding money and how to, uh, I think he wrote a book on how to create millionaires, uh, one that I do plan on investing in here soon. Uh, but in any case, the point being that even in that quick idea that he talked about on the Jay Shetty show of how the things that we're taught about money can oftentimes throw us off, that the banking system was designed in a way to teach us to depend on it so we can keep, a, I even just referenced it earlier, a, a fight good credit score allows you to be able to borrow money, which can help you get some of the things that you want and need uh, in the future. But it also could be a means of keeping you in debt to the betterment of others who are making money off of you having that debt, such as a bank, such as certain businesses. Um, 
we learn part of what we know from our parents. We also learn part of what we know from the systems that are designed around even what our parents even understand and their parents and so on. Uh, what I would suggest and what I plan on doing is that there are classes, there are books, there are a bunch of different things out there to teach us to break certain habits that we've ingrained in ourselves as a culture, as a society, as a people sometimes, as Americans, or whatever demographic you fit into that, that could really play a, a crazy role in, in how you, what you do with your money and how much of it you keep versus how much of it you spend and so on and so forth. Um, I was doing some other research and I saw a really interesting demographic um, as it relates to genders and how we address and deal with money uh, from debt.org. The according to Experian, as it relates to you know men versus women and credit cards, women hold at about average six thousand two hundred thirty-two dollars of debt on credit cards versus men's uh, sixty-three hundred. I'm gonna just abbreviate. As it relates to mortgages, women have a little less at one ninety-two three sixty-eight, and men two eleven uh, two hundred eleven thousand. Now overall, Experian, this is one of the three credit bureaus uh, that report. Uh, who basically is where we get one of our credit scores or part of our credit score from. Uh, they reported this information and debt.org appears to be a nonprofit organization designed to provide information as it relates to debt uh, on a broad scale. And they had a lot of different tools to sort that down as small as you want or as broad as you want. But Experian found that men have more debt than women, including 2% more in credit cards, 20% more in personal loans, 16 plus percent on auto loans, and 9.7% more on mortgage debt. I'm sure there are a bunch of variables that play a part in that. Let me get this up out of here. I'm sure there's a bunch of variables that play a part in that and that I'm not sure how that report looks when you're married, as I am not married yet. Uh, if it differentiates households versus non, or if the man's ahead of household filing in certain ways. But as far as I understand it, Experian is an individualistic reporting of your credit score and there's no like couples credit score. So those numbers are, are kind of interesting. And as men, we might want to be aware of some of what our, our tendencies are. I know that debt.org also had a report uh, on the, the obvious fact, the one that's over, overly stated on how men make more money than women. And that could play a part in us borrowing more or feeling like we have more of our budget to put towards certain loans. I'm not here to guess all the different factors, just report the information. But the key is, I know myself as a man and my dad as a man versus my spouse and my mother. Uh, I remember my mother was better at saving than my dad was. And I remember, I know I told you earlier that my, my spouse is better than me at it too. And that, that could just be a mentality thing. I, I think I have the ability to dig myself out of any hole and that could play a part in me acquiring more debt. Uh, right now, I don't know who has the most debt. I hear her clicking around in the kitchen. I think I might have the most debt, but not by a lot. I've been paying down a lot of my debt, but I also don't want to, as a man, don't want to be the reason that this ship starts to sink and that she looking at me crazy because she expects me to provide. And here I am dragging us down with frivolous, nonsensical debt. Uh, one thing she likes to say to me in jest is that I'm, I have expensive tastes. I don't think I do, but, and maybe I'm just comparing myself to others around me, but she says I do. I guess out of the two of us, I do. Uh, but with that being said, just being smarter about 
putting in place those systems of accountability, uh, teaching myself a little more about what's what and better ways to save our money and better ways to invest our money. Uh, I told her we're looking into high yield investing accounts. We're looking into um, there's already 401ks and, and health savings accounts and a whole bunch of different ways for us to do better with our money. Not that we down bad now. We make pretty good money. But the key being being smarter about it, especially knowing that that might be one of my weaker points, especially out of the two of us, is a real good way to set a goal, obtain those goals, and then push to the next level of goal and, and not living in a broke mindset. You don't have to spend every dollar you earn. You don't get to take any of it with you after you die, so give something back. And so on and so forth. Um, so salute to Dave Ramsey. I had a longer video by Ted, but I actually was saved that. I say Ted. It was a Ted talk given by uh, actually a dope woman, the, the Shonda Brown, who heads the teacher's um, it's a teacher's fund of saving money. She's the CEO, and she's also on the boards of some big companies like Nike and a few others. Uh, let me see if I can get that up. While I pull that up, somebody entertain me with a question or a comment about anything I said so far. Throwing me for a loop and it don't want to act right. All right, so here's a video from Ted. Financial health for a typical American household can be stressful. We know that 46% of all Americans would struggle coming up with $400 in the event of an emergency. And 60% of all Americans will face that emergency within 12 months or less. When you ask the question, what does money mean to you? Most people will say things like, I feel anxious. And so the insecurities come, the shame comes. I think we have a fraught relationship with money because it comes with judgment. When you're not able to pay your bills on time, you can personalize that. I don't want anyone to think that I'm not smart. I don't want anyone to know that I am very insecure with money. I don't want anyone to know that I am super stressed out. So now let's change the narrative. You can't do it alone. And that's when your squad has to come in. It's taboo. We typically don't talk about our stresses when it comes to money. We need to come together as a group of friends, no judgment, no shame. Celebrate the fact that we've made a decision that we want to have a better relationship with money. That is worth applauding or snapping your fingers about. Once you've done that, then you get real. Nothing should be off limits. Where does this relationship come from? Why am I spending all this money on things that don't align with my goals? What are your fears? What are your hopes? What are your dreams? But then we start to take action. What can we do this week? Or what can we do this month? Pause it right here after number one. She talked about depending on the squad. And I thought that was really interesting. I, I think she holds lofty enough status and probably has enough money to have an informed opinion about this. But I, I personally, I'm not saying I can't depend on my squad, but it's, 
maybe it's because we're all men. I don't. I can't see a scenario where that's something that's happening, where we're all like, maybe depending on, on my squad for information. Like a few, like a month ago, I was asking them what uh, what are some of the tools that they use to 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 deal with their budget, and a couple of the homies hit me back with um, what's Intuit's one, whatever it's called, and the one I ended up using was Pocket Guard. That's depending on them for information. Uh, for example, me and my spouse will be in the housing market. And there's a bunch of people around me who own houses or who have mortgages. Um, and I'm definitely looking at them for tips and information, uh, different ways to avoid those pitfalls. And in fact, let me go away from that for a sec. Um, to avoid those pitfalls, the pitfalls that they may have hit, uh, such as housing inspections and things that they might have missed or different ways to obtain the proper loan to make sure that it's set up in a way that, that benefits me and me and her. I would depend on my squad for that information, knowledge, uh, experience and things of that of that type. As far as like, hey, uh, matter of fact, Don and Steven here like, yo, let me get some money. That just feels weird. That feels odd. I, I don't know. Maybe if we're talking about putting in on a business or doing something together, like a investment property or something like that. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna play the rest of that video. You can look it up. It's on TED. Actually, I'll include the links to both the videos that I show here for y'all to click them and watch them in their entirety. But she gave out six principles. The gist of her six principles span the gamut of my facts of uh, different ways to save money to make sure that you talk about money. Uh, one thing me and my spouse do, and I'm not gonna say like to do. One thing that we do is we have conversations about money. I'm very candid about. Just saying, hey, um, hey, here's the things that are coming up for me. Here's the things I want to buy. And she's a little bit more of a let's sit down and have a formal conversation with the Excel spreadsheets and such to discuss this in a little more detail. But in any case, uh, we do it. We're, we don't shy away from the conversation because I don't want any surprises. I don't want to be one of those guys that you ever saw. I've seen this on like TV and movies where a guy would like lose his job and be acting like you're going to work for X amount of time. You're leaving the house and all this stupid stuff and high. And just basically, I'm not trying to be that guy who does something that puts us in a financial hole or ruin because I just didn't have the conversation with her as with anything in a relationship. And this isn't relationship advice, but you should be talking to your spouse about even the things that you don't necessarily, I'm not gonna say that you don't want them to know. What I mean is, if you keep secrets, that's an easy way for things to get out of control in any level, on anything that you're dealing with or struggling with or concerned about and just talking about it. She also went on to talk about investing. Uh, there are different ways that you can invest. And I don't mean fast money ways like crypto, which I did dabble in a little bit uh, with, with some fun money. Uh, neither here nor there, I invested like $50, ended up making like 3000 off of that. But with all seriousness, don't I think, what was it, in beef? This ain't a spoiler, but there was a point where he had like 20K and he put it all on a crypto and woke up and was super broke. I, that was nuts. Never do anything stupid like that. But there are long term funds and mutual funds and different ways for you to invest your money smartly. Um, and again, this ain't financial advice. I'm looking into these things. I'm reading about them and trying to learn about them because as I progress through the remainder of this year towards our marriage in September and crossing over into 2024 when we're going to be looking for houses, I want to make sure that we not only have enough money, but we're saving smartly and properly 
to not get beat out by inflation or end up in some kind of Ponzi scheme or just some weird thing. Just do your proper research, find somebody who know a little something about it, pay for a consultation or whatever you got to do to make sure you're investing properly. And the other two principles escape me right now. But the gist of it was I thought her title, the fact that Ted endorsed it or gave her the opportunity to speak on it, said enough about these six principles. And these during my research, I found that a lot of it was repeated and it all seems like sound advice. And these aren't conversations. If I'm being totally real, my parents may not have been in a position to discuss these with me, just like I wasn't to discuss them with my son. But I wish I had a better grasp on the entire idea of what money is and not just something you earn so you can go and buy stuff um there's a lot to it and i'm i said it earlier i'm almost 40 i'm 37 and as as i as my dad pushes up towards retirement age and he's having these conversations like yes yeah, and when i retire and my mom like younger than him but still they're both getting to that point I, i'm hearing crazy numbers and i know inflation is going to make this worse if they say you need something like a, nearly a million saved up to live from retirement to the rest of your life comfortably, that sounds crazy. But it also sounds crazy to me to live and work through retirement like my grandfather did until basically he just couldn't work and the doctor had to tell him to stop. Neither sound good to me. I want to be, I'd rather be close to a million saved. Uh, I think it's 500 each or something like that. But we want to be able to pay all your bills, have all your medic medical stuff taken care of, have all your everything set up. And right now, from age 37 until retirement, I'm going to be putting everything, all all the work I'm doing, like this is the unfinished work show. So all the work I'm doing is going to be geared towards creating and sustaining a life after income isn't, isn't available. And God forbid anything happens in between now and then, like a major injury or major disability all these things are possible and on the table. And if you don't have your money stacked a certain way, those are burdens that you put in on family members, on the on the insurance system, on your spouse or whoever to cover you during, during that. And I, I promise you right now, in all honesty and transparency, uh, in the beginning of that video, she quoted it. There's a certain percentage of Americans who are basically just one major uh, life happening away from being in financial ruin. Any major medical thing that happens could put me in medical in, in financial ruin right now. Any any major thing that has a detriment to my income or uh, that it becomes a large expense can put me under the under the boat. And I think that's not okay. As a man, I, I don't feel comfortable being in that position. Even though God willing, I maintain my ability to go to work. Even that, man. Sometimes I just be tired. And not saying I don't want to go to work. I'm saying I'm getting older and I feel it. That even the job I do now, these 12 and 14 hour days, these 3 a.m. wake ups ain't it. And I can't imagine what I feel like for my father who got me by 20 years. What does it look like for him to think, man, do I really have enough saved up to just be straight? Or am I going to be a burden to my kids and, and my, my his girlfriend or whoever, you know, whoever financially is going to take responsibility for him? I don't want to I don't want him to be that. I don't want me to be that. I don't want none of y'all to be that. So if you got some work to put in in this regard, put it in. If you need to, whatever you need to do to turn around. I was going to offer some 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 uh, examples, but truth is, you know your situation better than I do. I know what mine is. I've just been transparent with y'all about mine, and I'm open about the way I live my life. But I don't want to be one of those Americans that get hit with, like, say they just cancel my job. Hey, no more job. Job out of business. Good luck. And I'm out here on the market 
with a bunch of other people, even though my skills are somewhat specialized, still don't want to be in that position to where something happened to my dog. Um, be in that position where I'm down bad because because of uh because I didn't put in enough money. In any case, I just realized I went over time. The last thing I want to cover really quick is uh, self-care. The, I'm not I'm even going to put up the title card. Basically, as it relates to self-care, what is money for you? Is it calming? Is it something that... What's up, bro? Is it something that um, causes you stress? Is it something that puts you in a, in a bind when it comes up? Do you feel free or liberated by your money? Even for those who have it, the amount of money you have is it a constant worry? Are you constantly in a state of like Mr. Krabs where you're trying to hold on and keep all your money? Uh, or are you comfortable where you at? Do you feel good about the plans you got going forward? Is your budget tight? Is there frivolous spending in check? Are, are any of these things that you're considering, but as it relates to how you care for yourself, you can just leave it alone. of how you care for yourself, another part of that also is spending the money on actual self-care. Things such as, hey, that was weird. Things such as um, anything that you need, like taking care of your skin or putting in on your dental, uh, getting your eyes checked. A lot of that falls under medical, but some of it goes above what medical costs. You might have to pay some out of pocket. There's other self-care things like limiting your stress, taking vacations. And I don't mean expensive vacations, just opportunities for you to escape the, the rat race that you might be in. Just using your money to take care of yourself, buying comfort things such as like this super fancy chair that I did not buy, but would have been costly had I bought it. Salute to the homie who gave it to me. Um, but how, how are you living on your day to day? What is your bed like? What is the amenities in your house like? Is your water hard versus soft? Or, you know, do you put funds or budget funds properly into the spaces that you want them to do good for you? And then if it's a cause of stress or if it's like a point of stress for you, it, just look up some of these videos. Um, Ted had a, another talk that I was going to share with y'all where the, the woman was just talking about her relationship with money and how there were points where she was earning some pretty good money and still living in a position. Like she she had more than a broke mentality. She had like a, if I don't keep this money, catastrophe situation going. And that I can't imagine having the means and still not being happy because I'm still just don't have a proper uh, identification of what money is, how it can work for me, how it can make my life easier um, and the lives of the people around me, such as my kids and so on and so forth. And I can't imagine she said that lady in the video said uh, she had a kid, too. She learned it from her mother and she's probably teaching it to her kid. And that's very unfortunate. And I, I would not like any of my bad habits or bad ideas about money, uh, taking loans, like getting into college and taking student debt and, and buying stupid stuff with your money and getting these payday loans so you can do some nonsense. All of these are bad habits that you can talk, uh, teach, learn yourself. You can unlearn them, but also you can teach them to your kids and you don't want them to have to unlearn something you could just avoid. This whole thing ain't about just kids. It's about your relationship with money and breaking your broke uh, mindset and setting some money goals for yourself. So if you could, you're still here. I should have said this at the top. Hit like for me. It helps me out in the algorithm. Uh, as I was joking with the homie Claude earlier, let the algorithm do its thing, but it, it don't work right unless you hit that button and let them know that you like it or don't like it. I don't know. Hit the, hit the dislike button. Uh, if you could, too, share this to somebody. I will be more on point next week. I don't think I have been late for a show yet. And the stupid camera 
system want to do its thing. But if you do anything in production, you know how it is. Sometimes there's, there's glitches in the machine and you got to fix them on the fly. And as I literally said that, OBS dropped. I think we back now. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here because the system is telling me I'm done. Thank y'all for joining the Unfinished Work Show. This episode was I Need Money. I need money, so if you want to send me something, feel free to. And uh, just follow the facts. Your faith, accountability, community, what what you could teach someone to learn, and then properly self-caring as it relates to all your money. Thank y'all for being here. I'm not sure what I'm doing next week. There will be an episode, but I'll let y'all know what it is sometime in the midweek. Thank y'all for being here. I am Mike Lake. This is the Unfinished Workshop. My creator's not done with me yet. He ain't done with you either.